Can we do this? <laughs> you know, I have like a, a day and a half to edit this. <laughs> One to start recording an hour ago. <laughs> underwater force cage in new york city i'm your host shane and i'm your host ishan and welcome to episode 54 of total party thrill a podcast for game masters and players where we discuss our campaigns in order to inspire yours in this episode we're talking about the best four days in gaming gen con 2016 but first the party severs the gorgon's head in the morning glory campaign and later the force mage doubles down on a single spell in the character creation forge so before we get to that we have some brand announcements we have added some social media pages yeah we're on facebook and instagram yeah we have finally admitted that we are nerds in public and we have gone ahead and made a facebook page yeah yeah and started actually taking photos and made an instagram account yeah so there are now pictures of us on the internet associated with this podcast Ugh, garbage uh, yeah. Also, other people take pictures of us and then post them on the internet. <laughs> Which is weird. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not ready to be recognized. <laughs> yeah, I see that. Oh, oh, wait, why? Ooh, how do I untag? Wait, I can't. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you can join our group on Facebook. It's uh, facebook.com slash totalpartythrill, or you can search for our name. And on Instagram, we're just at totalpartythrill. Note that our Twitter account is at tptcast because Twitter doesn't let you actually have enough characters to spell totalpartythrill. Yeah. But everywhere else, we use our actual names. Right. Also, I have Phoenix Dawn Command in my hands, and I've had it since before Gen Con. I mean, not literally right now. Well, no, but that's because I had to put it down briefly yeah. to record this podcast. <laughs> but you're eyeing it. Oh, yeah. I am. I, I love reading that book. That is a great book. So do you know the cause of the dread yet? Uh, I do not. But if I did, I wouldn't tell you anyway. But you would tell me that you knew. I would tell you that. Just I knew. so I would know that you know and I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> That's awful. It's like morning glory in reverse. Yeah. <laughs> now you know that I know. <laughs> and I hate it. <laughs> so, speaking of morning glory, where are we? When last we left the party, Bahar had leapt out of an airship with the skull of Raltul Kesh. He was attempting not to touch it. Merrick's was left behind. Merrick's to Kenneth, Merrick's the to Kenneth. head of House Kenneth, the dragon-marked house, the mark of making, the house of artificers, also number one on our shit list right now. Well, he had destroyed an entire tower, killing 6,000 innocent people and framing you for it, so yeah. Yeah. Leaving Merrick's on the airship with the rest of the party, including a dead bastion. Yep. Fortunately, Bahar is a very high-level rogue-slash-monk, so he ends up just running down the side of one of the 2,000-foot towers all the way down to the cracked plateau of the cogs at the base of the Towers of Sharn and catches up to where the skull has plowed itself unceremoniously into the hard-packed dirt. He tries not to get too—he doesn't want to touch it because he knows bad things happen when you touch the vestiges of fiendish overlords. But he does get pretty close to it, and he's trying to figure out a way to grab onto it. And it reaches into his mind and attempts to take him over. Now, Bahar, being a you know a pretty decent monk and wisdom-based, goes back and forth, succumbing, getting very angry, beginning to run away, and smashing as many things as he can before shaking it off. And then, of course, returning to the skull, resisting again, 
saving again, resisting again, saving again while the party looks on thousands of feet, thousands of feet above. Yeah, so Bahar is basically setting up her perimeter now. Merix grabs the metal globe of interlocking leaves that the party knows is absorbing spells and building to some sort of terrible cataclysm. Terrible high-pitched wine, yeah. Yeah, picks it up and then pieces out and levitates down out of the, the airship, leaving them behind. And he, as he floats slowly down to meet Bahar, he begins flinging spells, trying to enchant Bahar into handing over the skull. And the party, of course, descends after him, knowing that they can't bring the full force of their spells to bear against him because they will simply be absorbed and then charge whatever kind of device this is. So instead, the spellcasters buff all of the melee characters, giving them flight, haste, and allow them to uh, attack Merrick's physically, which mostly consists of Kallik and Bastion punching and smiting. Yeah, as you do when you're a monk and a paladin. <laughs> Merrick's is far more resistant to damage than the party had expected. I mean, he's supposed to be just a weak artificer, right? But it turns out he can take punches with the best of them, even though he doesn't seem to be wearing any kind of armor. And then a counterspell battle ensues. The party has three spellcasters capable of counterspelling, a bard, yeah. a warlock, and a sorcerer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Merix has legendary actions and a bunch of extra reactions. So he's able to keep up fairly well, and he's got some deep spell slots. So it's, it's counter back and forth, and of course everyone is trying to guess exactly what level the previous counter was at, and should they counter at level four or six or like risk actually making a check. It was chaos. <laughs> but eventually, the party gets the upper hand because three beats one, even if the one has a bunch of actions. Eventually. So they're able to keep most of Merrick's spells at bay, so he's on the defensive. And finally, the melee does him in, you know, with a bunch of smites. And he crumples into a heap of what appear to be warforged grafts, which means this is the second time there was a scion of Caneth that had taken non-living material and grafted it to their bodies. Zorlan had done that with undead grafts. Yeah, and this was just further inspiration to our actual Warforged, that he should have more <laughs> Warforged parts grafted onto him. Hmm. <laughs> of course, the party then finds the small metal globe on Merrick's body, and the little green dots circling it are now filling in on their own, and the high-pitched wine is getting higher and higher and higher. So through some quick thinking, the party searches Merrick's body and finds a Kenneth signet ring and a brooch of shielding. And they determine that the signet ring is capable of casting just the mending cantrip. That's all it really does. Yeah, so we immediately put our heads together trying to figure out what to do with this cataclysm device in our hands. Uh, fortunately, we have some pretty smart people in our party. And some pretty perceptive ones as well. Yeah. So Bahar examines the globe and notices that the entire surface of it is covered with these green lights, but also a single unbroken wire, except for one tiny gap. And the rest of the sages in the party determined that perhaps if that circuit were completed, it would stop whatever kind of thing is going on. However, they're trying to attempt to figure out what it is that could complete this circuit. Yeah, how did three mages... Mend something. <laughs> no one actually had the mending cantrip. I had the mending cantrip. Wait, no, you put, you put on the ring. No, no, Remember no. you were the only one? No, I did put on the ring, and mm. then I later remembered I had the cantrip. Wait, what? Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a cleric cantrip. I had a bunch of those because I was, a, I was one level of cleric. Well, 
in the chaos, Bran forgot that he could cast mending already. Bran panicked. (laughs) (laughs) So people in the party were passing around the ring, trying to figure out who can use this thing, and it became apparent that only a scion of Kenneth could actually use it, someone with the mark of making. Fortunately, Brand had an ability from the Epic Destinies that I had handed out that allowed him to bypass any of the restrictions on using a magic item. I believe it was just essentially use magic device. Yeah, yeah, with the requirements for using a magic right. item. So he stuck on the ring, even though he didn't need it to. Right. <laughs> Cast mending on the little circuit, and completed the circuit, and the device shut off. So we'll figure out what that means next week. But last week, we were in beautiful Indiana. Where I saw my first Donald Trump billboard in real life. Uh, I melted, because that's what you do in Indiana yeah. in the summertime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or when you're me, in general, in the summertime. <laughs> you were a little wilted, yes. Yes. Aren't you from Georgia? Yep. Aren't you supposed to like hang yep. around with like a wide-brim white hat or something yep. with like juleps? Yep. I do declare. Yep. <laughs> All these things are true. It does not help when there's like 95,000% humidity. Fair. It was pretty muggy. But yeah, so we had a blast. Uh, We traveled out there. We both got out there on Wednesday. I got out there a little bit earlier than you, though. Plane delays, which became kind of the theme of the weekend Mm. for a lot of people leaving on Sunday. But uh, I got out there just a few hours before you. Got the podcast edited up and then uh, headed off to the RPG Academy's meetup where I got to uh, hang out with my good friend, Michael, from the RPG Academy, and then uh, met a bunch of cool people at that as well. Who did you meet, Shane? Uh, I met Kenna from the Going Last podcast, Mm -hmm. who is basically my sole source of board game news. (laughs) So (laughs) that was really cool. I met GM Jim McClure from the Talking Tabletop podcast on the One Shot Network, who made a bit of fun of us on uh, on a promo episode. Did you did you apologize for what we did? Uh, I to did them? not. No. <laughs> Good. <laughs> but he apologized, <laughs> and then and then told me I was a lot bigger than he thought I would be in person. <laughs> yeah, you get that a lot. Yeah, but so his RPG that he wrote, uh, Reflections, is on Kickstarter right now for like another week. So if you get a chance, check that out quickly. Also met Emily, who is his co-host on Hero's Journey, and then met our super fan Rich Howard. Uh, one of the editors of Tribality. Yeah, I got the honor later in the week. Yeah, we we spent a lot of time hanging out with Rich, so that made Gen Con a lot Not of Not enough time hanging out with Rich. <laughs> no, he's a great guy. Uh, they were also nominated for an Ennie, so we uh, we went to the Ennies together. Uh, spoiler alert, we both went home empty-handed. <laughs> did, did we not win? No, we'll get to that. We'll cover that. Okay, yeah, yeah, we'll get there. Um, But I played a little Codenames, which it had been about four weeks since I had played Codenames, so that was good. And uh, we played Batman Love Letter, which is a lot like regular Love Letter, but a good sort of bluffing, hidden roll kind of game. And then Ishin got there and everything went downhill. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) I showed up drunk. Yep, (laughs) as you do. (laughs) (laughs) We took a nice little walk across Indy looking for our friends at a hotel. Oh, yeah. That was lovely. Yeah. I got a, a tour of downtown Indianapolis, all four blocks of it. Right. Yep. <laughs> I I don't miss uh, Arby's, White Castle's. There was probably a crystal somewhere in there the and Greyhound, like a Waffle House. The Greyhound bus station. Actually, I've spent a lot of time in Greyhound bus oh, stations. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I used to live in the rural south. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, oh, Appalachia. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and so then when you got there, we started playing some board games. We tried the Grizzled. We did. We tried it. 
three or four times. Did we win? No. Can it be won? Probably, but also that Not game by is us. awful. Okay. No, I, I'm sorry. It's <laughs> awful. <laughs> we've heard that the expansion makes it potentially winnable. Oh, great. I don't have to. I'm not buying an expansion to have a game be playable. <laughs> the cards are pretty. But it's a very cool concept. <laughs> In practice, I don't want to ever play it again. It's a puzzle game. Uh, you are French soldiers in World War I engaged in trench warfare. And it is extremely hard to win because it's, extremely. A, it's a co-op game. And, yeah, you're supposed to lose because war sucks. That's and probably why I liked it more than you liked it because it was a co-op game. Like, just because it was a co-op game. Oh, no, I like co-op games just fine. I just hate games that are unwinnable. <laughs> like, oh, me too. That's why I want to try the expansion. I'm going to go back to trying to get a perfect game of Hanabi. Oh, God. That takes us to about Thursday. I mean, Thursday is the day when everything really sort of starts. Yeah, so Thursday is really the first day of Gen Con. That's when the dealer hall opens, and that's when the real chaos begins. So we ended up making it in probably two hours after it opened. We took it casual. It was very crowded. But I avoided making my classic Gen Con minis purchase. <laughs> Starting a new game I'll never finish. Yeah, I had to stand there watching you and Jim play a preview of... Guild Ball. Right. I was like, Blood Bowl? No, that's no, not, not it. Not Blood Bowl. <laughs> right. No. Way too complicated. It was very complicated for, for what it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure there are people who love that. But for me, I need my minis game quick hit and cheap. <laughs> and that was not it. Right. It was neither. But then it was on to Rich Howard's Edge of the Empire game, which he ran, I think, four times for different groups of podcasters over the week. And we took a unique approach, which I was very proud of. Yeah. He said no one had ever gone in the side door. <laughs> and then tried to detach, tried the, to detach the other the ship. ship. Yeah. <laughs> huh, I wonder why not. Yeah. <laughs> Did everyone else actually, like, I don't know, move directly toward the objectives presented to them? <laughs> the violence of action. <laughs> But we got to play with some really cool people. So mm-hmm. Michael Ross from the RPG Academy, uh, James Intracasso, who is a highly rated writer on the DMs Guild, and then award-winning, in fact, oh, any award-winning. Yeah. Oh, sorry, yes, of the uh, <laughs> the World Builder blog, and then Rudy Basso, who is one of the hosts of the Tome Show. But we had a blast. We also played with Rich's nephew Carter. Yeah, who is uh, twelve years old and awesome. Sup, Carter. <laughs> And yeah, I mean, that was, uh, you know, it was a high level, high experience Edge of the Empire game. It was the first time I've played Edge of the Empire, just heard and listened to a lot of Edge of the Empire. So that was fun actually getting to put those crazy dice into play. Yeah, I'd played it before, but never with as much experience. It was nice to see it with really competent characters, even if maybe our actions weren't the most competent. Yeah, no, I I love that because I was always rolling a fistful of dice. And even when it was bad, man, was it It was fun. good, yeah. <laughs> and then when all the dice come up your favor, it's just like, yes, I'm going to do something amazing and you're all going to remember this. <laughs> I prefer it when you fail but triumph. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. it's way more effective when you're like, I didn't do the thing I was trying to do, but I did something better. Way better, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, I didn't turn out all the lights on the ship, blinding all of my enemies, but I did accidentally activate the stun gas. <laughs> like, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, it was great for me to see Rich running the system because I'm planning on running the system for the first time relatively soon. Some version of it. We'll yeah. see. Yeah. yeah. We played it, but I've never run it before. Yeah, unfortunately, we dawdled a bit in the first encounter. I think we planned a little longer than we should have. 
and uh, and so we kind of had to rush a bit at the end. But Rich was was really good about getting us where we needed to go, even on a uh, a hard stop timeline. So without making it seem like we were being railroaded. Yeah, yeah. And then we played what I think was my favorite game of the con, Mansions of Madness. So it's a board game, ish. It's Gen Con, so we play a lot of board games. Yeah. But it's app driven, so it's got it does a lot of things that board games don't typically do. So it does have a lot of that role playing game feel. Yeah, it, yeah, it definitely. It has those role playing elements, which I think is one of the reasons that I liked it the most. Yeah, and it's um, you had a name, you have stats, right? Yeah, and it's it's part of the Eldritch Horror line from Fantasy Flight Games, so it's got that Cthulhu mythos type of investigation but it's uh, basically an update it's a second edition of of the old mansions of madness it takes the gm player out of the game puts that into an app and then each of you control one character investigating some strange happenings inside a mansion yeah so again it's cooperative everyone's working together i don't even really like eldritch horror body horror or anything like that but i still had a ton of fun with it well when i played it we didn't start until like 11 30 and mm-hmm. i ended up going to bed before we finished because i was exhausted (laughs) but i gotta be honest i was super into it until i just couldn't focus anymore (laughs) and the uh the horror elements and all that like the creep factor was there at that hour so it was good it was a lot of fun it was very thematic yeah and the app looks really good it's got sort of that final fantasy 2 chrono trigger isometric look to it yeah so i saw that but what's interesting i never saw it during the game other than when we did the puzzles I didn't actually see the app at the table. Oh, that's interesting. Because we were using a laptop in the... Oh, and other people were reading it. Yeah, Yeah. so Matt from Board Game Replay, a YouTube channel, was reading off of the screen, and I just got the flavor of what was going on from him reading. And then looking at the tiles on the table. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So the board was my only representation of the world, and I, I thought it was great. So if you're nervous about an app ruining your board game experience, I don't think you have to be. Yeah, and I think it's already gotten both patches and an update. Oh, good. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it only has four scenarios to start. And so. one of them didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it works now. Yeah. <laughs> and then Friday morning, you convinced me to make a comical purchase, in my opinion. <laughs> comical? Yes. $50 on dice? It makes yeah. perfect sense. I mean, there were 12 dice. <laughs> 12 dice, yes. There were game science dice. I bought game science dice. So if you don't know, game science dice... Uh, they're precision dice, so they're made to be exactly the same size. They're not tumbled, so they don't have the rounded edges. They've got sharp edges. They stop very quickly. They're supposed to be fair. You know, if you take your normal, I'm just going to say a Chessex or Coplow dice, you know, and you roll them a 1,000 or 10,000 times, you're going to find that more likely than not, one of those sides or two of those sides are going to come up more often. Right. Which, obviously, that's not supposed to happen. Game science dice, precision dice, well, at least <laughs> according to the guy who ran the booth, right. uh, were tested by a Navy cadet right. <laughs> who rolled them 10,000 times and found that each side came up the same, approximately the same number of times. A U.S. Naval Academy cadet, you say? That's right. So for those of you who don't know anything about game science, it is run by Colonel Luzaki who is the inventor of the Zakihedron, the original D100 die. It's about the size of a golf ball. (laughs) It's the golf ball with 100 numbers written on it. (laughs) Now, I remember Lou because back in like 1996, I wanted some dice. I was just starting this whole like 
role-playing game thing, and I was like, oh, I should get my own dice, but I didn't really know where to go to buy them. Well, you also really couldn't buy them very easily back then, right? Yeah, it was, I mean, it was tough to find. Like, you had to, like... There were uh, maybe a couple of the chess acts at that point. Yeah, and, like, like, here and there, you had to find, like, the right comic book shop in order right. to do that. Yeah. But I found the phone number for Zaki Enterprises in North Biloxi, Mississippi. That was that was probably in like a dragon magazine. Something right? like that. It was probably next to a picture of ten dice, ten D twenties from various sets of games <laughs> because you mostly got your dice from the box sets of games. Mm-hmm. And they were all different heights. Two two right, stacks of ten were always mm-hmm. different heights, even though all twenty dice came from the red box. <laughs> but not game science dice. <laughs> Those stacked perfectly to the same height. <laughs> I think I actually you know what? I think it was a library book about war games from like 1974. And like in the index, it listed Zaki Enterprises. That makes a lot of sense. He yeah. sells dice. Right. So I called him on a pay phone because there weren't any cell phones. And I didn't want to have a long distance telephone charge oh, on, right. my, on my parents' phone. Because your parents would kill you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so I had like a fistful of quarters and I walked to the Safeway and I stood outside and plunked quarters in and I called Zaki Enterprises and I had them send me a catalog. You, you paid like $6 <laughs> to order a catalog <laughs> yes. and it just went to the phone company. <laughs> Crazy times in the 90s. It was so weird. You know, we had the internet in 96, right? <laughs> yeah, maybe you did. Wow. <laughs> The library had the internet in 96. Right, but people didn't have Websites. web pages, yeah, right? Yeah, you're right. It was all AOL keywords back then. And Google definitely didn't exist. No, Google did not. So anyway, that was my first experience with Colonel Luzaki because he actually answered the phone. Yeah. I told him that story at the booth at Gen Con. He did not remember. No, uh, unsurprisingly. Yeah. That fateful day 20 years ago. <laughs> but he did tell us that story about the naval cadet. And then the next day when we came back because you couldn't bring yourself to pay that much for dice the first day. He told us the story about the naval cadet again. again yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that time I did buy a, a standard seven set of dice, and then I bought a bunch of D6s as well. They're very pretty. They are. They they look really, really good. I'm really happy about that. And they roll nicely. They do. So I'm not the only one in our gaming group now that has some game science dice. Right. <laughs> Another thing that we saw on Friday, I was actually surprised by how interested I was in it. So we walked by this virtual reality setup where people had the goggles on and you could see, you know, the virtual reality environment that they were in and they were playing a board game. Yeah, they were playing Boss Monster, which is a card driven board game. So the virtual reality environment was a table with cards on it. Yeah. It was like, oh, uh, they said I could do anything I wanted. So I sat at a table and played a board game. Yeah, I thought I, I agree. I think that's kind of a weird application. However, when we went up to sort of kind of make fun of them and get more information, they said, oh, yeah, yeah, well, we're also doing this for Dungeons and Dragons. And we said, what now? <laughs> Excuse me, huh? <laughs> oh, I think I've heard of you. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, wait, there's a tavern. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> okay, get these kids out of here. That's <laughs> the right. adults want to play now. <laughs> so we both got in the same virtual reality environment where there was actually a pretty cool tavern with like a fireplace and chairs and things Wait, are like you gonna, stools are you gonna post that picture of me in the vr headset oh it's up already it's on instagram mm-hmm. all right there you go that's the reason to follow us on instagram <laughs> me looking like an idiot in a vr headset yeah a little bit but if it had just been a tavern where you like sort of hang out and i, I guess you would talk about D, it's meh i mean you can do that in roll 20 right, right. yep but the thing that we actually didn't know until we got in there was off to the side there was 
a gaming table. Okay, maybe this sounds like we're playing Boss Monster inside. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know? But it was an interactive gaming table, and it was still pretty rudimentary, okay? But there were gelatinous cubes and dragons and ogres on the table yep. that you could use your controller to manipulate. You could turn them. You could pick them up and place them. You could knock them over as if they were prone. Yep. And then you could actually roll giant three-dimensional dice, and then it would give you the results, and then you could play around a table with minis in front of you and a a battle map with other people virtually. Yeah, and then there was also sort of virtual screens, basically, that were linked to web pages that had the PHB's information that had your character sheet on it. Yeah, actual fifth edition information. Right, so it was like a virtual display of your gaming information inside the VR space so that you didn't have to avert your eyes and look down at your book or something Mm -hmm. in the real world. I mean, if you've ever seen a tech demo, right, it is definitely a tech demo proof of concept type deal, Mm -hmm. but it had promise. There were definitely things to work out on it. The the resolution on the webpage, for example, could use some work. The general resolution of the tavern itself, right, was Mm -hmm. a little bit Lego minifig kind of style, but as a place, if you had four or five people who had VR headsets, that could be a really interesting way to play D&D. Yeah, those are all things that are definitely scalable in time. Yeah. Now, right now, it needs to be a relatively nice setup that you own. Yeah, right? yeah so, you need a, an Oculus, basically. Right, an <laughs> Oculus, uh, a Samsung Gear. I think it works with, with HTC. It definitely does not work with cardboard. Right. I was actually surprised how comfortable the Oculus was, though. Yeah. Because I haven't actually worn one, so that was interesting. Yeah, I think that's actually my first Oculus. I've done the Gear before. Yeah. Uh, so that company is Altspace VR. So we're going to be uh, getting in contact with them and following up on that because definitely curious to see where that goes. Yeah, if it turns into something, this could be cool. Yeah. We did something else Friday night. Well, we went to the Any Awards. Mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe some of you have heard about that because we kept begging for votes. Yep. So thank you for all of your votes. Thanks for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> we won neither gold nor silver, which means we are officially the third to fifth best podcast of 2016. <laughs> You know, it was an honor just to be nominated. It really they say. was. Yeah. But it actually was. It, no, it really was. Yeah. Um, didn't have high expectations. Like our mothers. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was optimistic that maybe we could, I don't know, steal second place. <laughs> um, but gold went to Ken and Robin and silver went to RPPR. So congratulations to them. We were just happy to be there, to be honest. And uh, it was a very cool honor. And it was fun to watch... Ken and Robin go up there over and over again oh, yeah. to receive any after any. Yeah, Pelgrane Press and Ken and Robin tend to win a lot at those awards. <laughs> Afterward, we decided to drown our sorrows and commiserate. So we hang out with James and Rudy and Rich. Yeah, so James won for the World Builder blog. So he didn't commiserate. No, he... But he was very sympathetic. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't brag too much. <laughs> like, he didn't wear his medal, you know? He was really he, he let us touch it. Right. Yeah. Well, I didn't well you it. didn't touch yeah. it. Yeah. And I'm not jinxing myself. <laughs> but Rich, uh, unfortunately, Tribality did not win either. Mm. Uh, we were also sitting with Kevin Smith from Melvin Smith's Geekery. He did not win either. And then we were also sitting with uh, Michael from the RPG Academy. So the four of us all lost in our categories. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it hurt a little bit. Not going to lie. But at least we had moral support. <laughs> Never get your hopes up, kids. Yeah, right. 
(laughs) (laughs) But afterwards, the Tome Show was hosting a meetup at a bar. So you can often find us at bars when there's meetups involved. Very true. I mean, at meetups when there's bars involved. Yeah, only that, actually. That's the way it works. (laughs) So we went over there with Rich and uh, hung out with James and Rudy. Yeah, got to talk with Rich about Young Justice and his new podcast, the Whelmed podcast, the Young Justice Files. Yep. I'm very excited for more and more episodes of that. It's yeah. one of my favorite shows. And if you haven't seen Young Justice, just go watch it, and then you're going to want to listen to the podcast. Right, right. Uh, we have also now played Secret Hitler, which mm-hmm. was the latest game from Cards Against Humanity. Uh, you know, James ended up being Hitler. Yeah, that's true. What does that tell you? Uh, you've got to do terrible things to win in any. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Science. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm happy that we didn't win. Because I don't want to be right. Hitler. I don't. I don't want to be Hitler. Yeah. 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 Suck Even secretly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I definitely don't want to be public Hitler. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Anyway, that, the theme of that game goes a long way to make a joke that I don't think needs to be made. But the game is fine. You know, it's a it's a hidden role game. It's a deduction game. It's got a a cool wrinkle, but it I could take it or leave it. And you can giggle about being Hitler. Yeah. All the fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fortunately, we didn't role play at all because that would have just been obnoxious and. We were also in public, so... Yeah, and your German accent is terrible. You know I'm German. I speak German. No, you're Lithuanian. <laughs> I'm also German, and I speak German. Yeah, that's really inappropriate, Shane. Just being like, oh, no, all of Eastern Europe, that's Germany. <laughs> <laughs> Lithuania. Inappropriate. Not Eastern Europe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. How about 1943? Baltic states. <laughs> <laughs> all the way to the Urals. <laughs> We also discovered that Rudy and I are two people in the entire world who have played uh, Birthright, Gorgon's Alliance. Jim, Jim's played, oh, that particular Birthright game. That, okay, yeah, you were the only guys who've ever played yeah, that. Yeah, that terrible game, mm-hmm. uh, which is a, an old, <laughs> a very old PC game from Sierra Studios, uh, now long defunct. Oh, boy. Yeah, but so, yeah, so we found out that three people on our trip enjoyed Birthright as a campaign setting, which probably make us the three people on the planet left who remember birthright wait who's number three jim well me oh you remember birthright yeah i remember birthright okay four people all right uh, look our numbers are growing every day (laughs) but by far like the least popular setting right i don't know doesn't everyone hate mistara oh who yeah you get good point (laughs) and then after that i think around 11 30 we said you know what Let's play Tyrants of the Underdark. Yeah. Tyrants of the Underdark is a deck builder slash area control game. So With a drow theme. Yeah, it's it's themed in the Underdark. So you've got lots of unpronounceable city names that mm-hmm. you are trying to control. But you place your drow soldiers on different areas of the map trying to control them. You draft a, and build your deck similar to Dominion. So it's got a, a cool economy versus military kind of mechanic. What did you think of that one? I thought it was perfectly fine. I had fun with it. When I see a drow theme or a D&D theme, I want there to be more role-playing. And there isn't any role-playing in the game. No, there's definitely no role-playing, uh, unless you're role-playing me, crushing you. <laughs> just crushing you. But it was just beginner's luck. Uh, yeah, something like that. <laughs> Three beginners at the table. No, Only one of them had luck, huh? Well, Jim took mine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, the the outcome was <laughs> brutal. The, yeah. the key is to promote. Yeah, yeah. The, the key. Yeah, you've got to cycle cards out of your deck. Mm-hmm. That's important. I used the spy strategy, which gave me a lot of mobility. It, whatever details of the game, but I'm with you. I feel like when you use Drow, especially, I just check out of the theme. So I, I feel like 
if they had reskinned this game as a slightly different fantasy theme, I would have been super into it. Right? I mean, I read all the Drizzt books, so I was actually like, oh, neat, drow, but then like it, it didn't really matter, right? It was just That was just the skin laid on top of the game. Right. I actually think this would have been super cool as a Game of Thrones themed game mm-hmm. because it's all about using your nobles to gain economic power and then placing your armies. Right? You know, I wanted to be a Harry Potter theme. You know, but, Slytherin yeah. armies and Voldemort and blah, blah. Yeah. I mean, anything, right? Yeah. It could be Monopoly themed. It'd it, be the same game. I mean, kind of. I mean, yes, that's that's how theme and mechanics work, Ishan. Yeah. <laughs> you figured out board games. Yeah. Wait, let me think of other things that it could potentially be. I don't have anything. Uh, but that took us to the wee hours of Friday night. So Saturday, that was an interesting day for one of us. I had a good day. Uh, I had a good morning. <laughs> <laughs> That morning, we actually met a couple guys from Kobold Press at their booth and took a look at the Southlands campaign setting, originally built for Pathfinder, but there are some parts of it available for 5e. Yeah, and uh, I think they're going to try and release more of it for 5e, so we're going to keep an eye on that as well. Mm -hmm. Um, That is a sort of fantasized Africa. Yeah, in the same way that like Lord of the Rings is a fantasized Europe. Right. We were talking with them, and you know, they were saying, you know, they wanted to make very sure not to you know exoticize it too much you know no cultural appropriation but still to stay true to the themes of african folklore and mythology yeah i mean i think it was um a tough line to walk and as a white dude you know i certainly can't tell you if they did it right or wrong but i will say there were some really cool themes in there some really neat ideas uh, there's a, a creeping jungle a living jungle mm-hmm. in one part of the map that's ever expanding that was created as via sort of magical cataclysm to envelop a greater evil, right? And so this is sort of what's left. And, uh, you know, the different societies around the edges of it have their own approaches to how they deal with that encroaching evil. How do you stop a jungle that doesn't care about you, right? It will come no matter what. So there's like the Roman legions who just burn it down, right? Mm-hmm. They, they have set their war front and they will burn the jungle wherever it goes there's a a different society has made a pact with demons to fight back the jungle that sort of thing i think that's a really cool idea yeah and we talk with them about how when you're dealing with ostensibly a continent the size of africa that's three times the land area of europe so there's just so much area open to explore and literally any biome you can possibly think of right and any kind of civilization goes in there somewhere yeah you've got everything from desert to snow-capped peaks Mm -hmm. right yeah lots of room for exploration it reminded me a bit of eberron except a single continent right right so there were certainly areas that were like zendrick there were areas that were like corvair yep and then there were like completely wild and terrifying unexplored areas like Arganesson. Right. And it does it does fit into sort of the side of the map of Midgard, which is their European type setting. So it's all compatible. Right. But there are um, a lot of themes that I liked. Obviously, when you talk about desert, <laughs> I think of Dark Sun. So there were those kind of themes. I got a lot of the Zendrick vibe mm-hmm. from Eberron, things that I really like. So I uh, I will definitely be checking that out. Yeah, I was definitely thinking of places to plop in Eberron elements. Right. Uh, and they won a Silver Any for Best Setting. Must be nice. They lost to, who else? <laughs> Robin D. Laws yeah. for Feng Shui too. <laughs> and Saturday morning, we met our first fan yeah. uh, who did not know us from some other thing. <laughs> So who wasn't already sort of a podcaster or kind of media person or somebody that we knew in real life that is somebody that we knew before we started the podcast. We found our, fir- our, our first listener. 
Yeah. So we reposted that on Instagram. You can see Joe took uh, selfies with us. Yep. We got Joe some pins. Joe, we're going to get you a t-shirt once we once we order them. Mm-hmm. They're coming. And then Shane got a little tired at lunch. Oh, uh, yeah. I, uh, I think it must have been food poisoning. I think it was food poisoning. I think it was. I was worried it was norovirus. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> that made me which worried. Is, which is why I immediately abandoned you. <laughs> it made me change the sheets in the hotel room. <laughs> I know. I told you to call housekeeping to change the sheets. I don't think they made you change no, them. No, they came and changed them, <laughs> okay. which I did for you. For you, so you don't reinfect yourself because you're filthy. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, when your body is rejecting Gatorade, it's not a good sign. (laughs) So I ended up, after lunch, I spent the rest of the day in the hotel room sleeping and watching the Olympics. Was that just your excuse to watch women's gymnastics? (laughs) Uh, No, it was swimming day. Oh, yeah. I watched Adam Peaty crush every world record in whatever uh, men's freestyle or something. Stroke, maybe good for him. Yeah, he's yeah. A, he's British, not American. So, I, for well, a brief, forget that guy for a brief moment. I thought that we sucked again at swimming, and it turns <laughs> out we just suck at that event, right? But you had a lot of fun, right? You got to meet up with uh, with James and James Rudy, Rudy again, again uh huh, to play in their playtest 5e game. Okay, I don't want to give away a lot of spoilers because I'm pretty sure that they are sort of hacking it into final shape and then they're going to release it into the wild, but I'm definitely going to keep my my eye out for this because it was like a triptych game there were three separate groups with three gms all playing in the same world and in basically the same game at the same time they had different objectives in different locations but they were happening simultaneously so the actions of each group affected the other groups yeah so think of it like the second death star (laughs) yeah Except instead of one group being on the moon of Endor, the other group being in the attack run, and the third group being in the throne room, they were all within falling range of each other. <laughs> yes, yeah, so there was this interesting dynamic where, depending on what happened at one particular table, a person could be sort of shunted over to a different group at a different table, and they would get up and then walk over to another table and say, hey, I showed up. And then usually like someone else got switched with them but sometimes no so there was at one point when my group had i think like nine players right (laughs) and then another table was like well uh, i guess we just don't have a very big party so hopefully we can still get through this encounter (laughs) (laughs) because all of our allies have disappeared yeah would you say that you played a healer because your group didn't have one and then two healers got shunted over right five minutes later i was like fine (laughs) (laughs) actually no i didn't i said you guys heal i'm gonna attack right (laughs) I'm going to go be useful. Yeah. You're the new guy. Yeah. <laughs> Healer says what? <laughs> I couldn't stick around very long after it ended because I had to make sure you weren't dead. Right. <laughs> Which I appreciate. <laughs> but James and Rudy, that was a ton of fun. And we're going to get you some very solid feedback yep. on uh, the entire adventure. Yeah. You know, I've heard the spoilered version and uh, it, it did sound really cool. So we will probably be talking about that more when it, comes closer to release mm-hmm. um, so we can share our experience with it or at least your experience saturday night two other games happened i played tada from cool mini or not which actually comes out in september but oh my god buy this game so is this your typical cool mini or not game that has just really gorgeous miniatures and questionable mechanics no the mechanics are virtually non-existent and it's just cups and dice and cards that doesn't sound like a cool mini or not game at all. <laughs> I know, it's very strange. 
The Grizzled, by the way, also a cool mini or not game. <laughs> it's a dexterity-based dice game. You roll dice as quickly as possible and then like match the shapes to shapes on a card so you can cast a spell while everyone else is doing ridiculous things that are required by other cards. Like you have to roll the dice with your elbows on the table or one person needs to shout secrets about themselves while they're doing all of this. <laughs> and so you're like quickly doing this and, and manipulating and dropping things. It's a little like bananagrams, but you don't have to be able to spell. <laughs> it's that frenzied action of bananagrams. Right. But honestly, way more fun. You know, for somebody who prefers co-op games, mm-hmm. for somebody who prefers role-playing or puzzle themes, mm-hmm. the fact that you like a dexterity game at all kind very of, strange. Kind very of strange. my mind. Maybe it's because you're casting spells and I kind of pretended that I was Harry Potter. Yeah, I, I think that must have been yeah. it. Also, I was winning. Because we played Strike a lot, which is a... Yeah, yeah that was fun. Uh, Matt brought that one along. That's um, like 2012, I think. Yeah, it's, when it came it's out. an old game. It's probably out of print, but you're just throwing dice at each other inside a bowl basically trying to get matching dice and uh it's really simple and i you know i knew you weren't super into that but then apparently you had a spell casting theme on top of it and you're all about grabbing dice and rolling them as hard and fast as possible probably also maybe because i was hearing secrets about jim yeah (laughs) that sounds amazing And when, you know, seven people are around a table throwing dice and then every time that they match a die, they have to make the sound of a, an animal that they've chosen earlier. Yeah. In in Hall D right. at Gen Con. <laughs> yeah, it was, that was fun. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's uh, it's like nerd spoons almost is what it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, actually. Which sounds great fun, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> and then I also watched uh, eight other people play Captain Sonar, which is the minimum required to play Captain Sonar. So Captain Sonar was described to me as battleship with four players per side mm-hmm. and everybody is in their battle stations mm-hmm. that sounds intense it was very complicated yeah. people who were playing seem to be having fun slash yelling which they seem to enjoy <laughs> right <laughs> and there's a lot of mapping but like mapping in the moment like you must map this immediately yeah that was one role that really stood out to me is one player just has like wax paper and is trying to plot based on limited information where the enemy submarine is mm-hmm that sounds really cool, right? Yeah. I mean, that's a that's an actual like. Although you get a, you get a dry a clear dry erase sheet oh, when not, you actually not, buy the game, not wax paper, <laughs> right? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh they probably had to cycle through a lot of this, huh? Yeah, maybe. yeah, demo time. <laughs> but that sounds really cool. I mean, that's like actually being unique skill sets required to be good at certain roles. I think is cool. You know, it's not just solving all puzzles or or whatnot. It's it's solving pieces of puzzles. Yeah, if you go look at board game replay on Twitter, they've got a picture of it up. And then I know. Uh, some people in our group played Potion Explosion, which got a lot of play, actually, because it was pretty easy to pick up and put down. That looked like it had drafting elements similar to Splendor, sort of an engine-building kind of thing, though don't quote me on it because I didn't play. And I know Jim really liked Vast, which is uh, you are playing the dungeon, I guess. Um, That's one of the rules. There are five different rules. You can oh, be okay. the dragon, you can be the adventurers, you can be it's a ky- kobolds or goblins, I forget which there's something else and you can be the cave and everyone is competing against everyone else right apparently it takes a very very long time to learn in the first place but once you know it it sounds fun right because each role that you can be plays totally different Mm -hmm. you have different mechanics you have different options and depending on how you approach games if you're that type of person who needs to figure out the best move that everybody else can make so that you make your best move that means you got to learn five games at a time 
Right, and each role is about as complicated as learning an RPG class. Yeah, yeah. And if you're that type of person who just wants to make a quick decision that looks good on the surface, that's probably going to frustrate you. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that one is sounded really interesting. Uh, It got mixed reviews, I would say. The people who liked it really liked it, and the people who didn't weren't crazy about it. And then Sunday, we left. Yeah, I didn't say for the last day. No, which is a pro tip for Gen Con. Mm -hmm. It's great to be there Sunday, uh, especially if you can stick around to the end of the dealer hall because... A lot of dealers will run sales to try and get rid of some inventory rather than having to ship at home. But dealing with the airport mm-hmm. at 4 o'clock in the afternoon in Indianapolis is a nightmare, especially when all the flights are delayed and Delta has computer problems on Monday. <laughs> right. And there are 30,000 other people trying to get out of the airport because the 40,000 right. others drove home. Exactly. Yeah. But when we got to the airport, it was smooth sailing through security, oh, yeah. nice and empty. We got, we got breakfast. We had time. You know, I didn't get breakfast because I was still on a liquid diet. <laughs> and not the usual kind. No. No, I got upgraded, and then I didn't even get to use my free liquor on the plane. <laughs> it just slept. Jim was happy he didn't have to sit next to you. That's probably true. Yeah. All right, so let's do a quick board game rundown because that's mostly what Gen Con is about. Edge of the Empire. Uh, yes, we're, we're playing that. D&D 5e. Yes. Phoenix Dawn Command. Uh, yes. Oh, we forgot to mention. We forgot Phoenix. to mention. Yeah, we yeah, went to we yeah. went to Keith Baker's panel. Mm-hmm. He remembered us. He did. That was nice. Yes. Uh, oh, we met his wife. We did. We met Jen. Uh, she's awesome. She's she actually listened to us. I know. Which is which ridic- is. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> it's ridiculous that she listened to a whole episode. Right. It's okay. She's not listening to this one. Yeah, so that's true. fine. <laughs> yeah, they were actually in our hotel and they were running the Phoenix demos at our hotel so we saw a lot of people playing phoenix throughout the weekend uh Mm -hmm. it looked like people were having fun so i'm glad to see that was taking off and there were a lot of people at his panel who had already bought the game Mm -hmm. and wanted signatures and whatnot so that was great it was cool being in the same room with other people who were like so intensely into eberron yeah (laughs) and then like asking questions and be like oh my that question too yeah i'm not weird because i have an eberron podcast (laughs) (laughs) and people who actually wanted to check out our eberron podcast Right. So welcome, new listeners. Hello. <laughs> We're just humoring us, we hope. All right, but back to our board game rundown. Mansions of Madness. Definitely, yes. Yeah, definitely, yes. Tyrants of the Underdark. Yeah, yeah, I would play that again. Yeah. I uh, I don't know that I would buy it. Right. I mm. will happily play Jim's copy. Yeah, oh yeah. Codename Pictures. So Codename Pictures is like Codenames, except there are these quirky little drawings on them, sort of uh, brief scenes. None of them logical, right? So it'll be a kangaroo with a stegosaurus tail and uh, and an armor along his back. And pie. And pie, <laughs> yeah. So you're trying to connect pictures together instead of words. Which is nice because it means it's not only English dependent anymore. Right. I think a lot of people expected it to be the hit of Gen Con. I don't know that it was as popular as Codenames was last year. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really good game. You know, I'm happy still playing Codenames, but... If somebody brought pictures, I'd be perfectly happy to play that as well. I thought it was a bit simpler than I anticipated. Yeah. It also requires fewer clues to win. So instead of seven or eight, I think it only requires six or seven. So it ends a little faster, which in some ways is a little less satisfying, though it's kind of harder to match the clues. So Mm -hmm. I don't know if that would change over time. We didn't play it a whole lot, but I liked it. I would definitely play that. Secret Hitler. That's a no for me. There are a lot of hidden role games out there, and I don't need to tacitly endorse the theme which yeah. i don't find that funny i wouldn't i wouldn't buy it it's, yeah it's just it's got a hitler skin vast everyone seemed like they were having fun with it but it does seem big and expensive 
Is it expensive? I have no idea. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know that I want to learn that many games at once. Yeah. It might be more complicated than it's worth. So I'm going to call that a maybe. I would yeah. say I'd say research that one. See what the overall consensus is. Yeah, I would say if you can find someone, play it once, and then make up your mind. Cause like, but the first time you play it, that is going to be like the most difficult time you play it. Definitely, yeah. And maybe like the least fun. Right. Potion Explosion. I didn't play it. I didn't either, but everybody who played it liked it. Mm-hmm. So I got to go with a yes on that one. The Grizzled. No. Yeah, I wouldn't buy a thing that you have to buy an expansion for it to work, maybe. Yeah, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, the theme is cool. The execution, not worth it. Ta-da. I am going to buy Ta-da. Okay. Like as soon as it comes out in September. Nice. Totally getting it. Wow, that'll be your first board game purchase in like two years. I have Cards Against Humanity. But yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a big board game or having things on shelves kind of person. <laughs> right. <laughs> How about Captain Sonar? Everyone who played it seemed like they were having a lot of fun, but I think I have like six fewer friends than you need. Yeah. Needing eight people to play a game... No, I'm not even going to bother with it. Yeah, and you do basically need to yell at each other. That sounds appealing. <laughs> but finding the seven people to yell at, that sounds more difficult. So one thing that we have not mentioned that we have not played, but was obviously a big arrival at Gen Con was Seafall, which is the next legacy-themed game from Rob Daviau. Similar to Pandemic Legacy, the board kind of changes and evolves each time you play the game. It's sort of emergent as you land in a new world and found your colonies. Mm -hmm. It sold out very quickly. It sold out super quickly. We already have groups that have ordered the game. So the pre-order is arriving shortly anyway. So we didn't feel the need to go pick it up at Gen Con. I heard a lot of people at Gen Con playing it that liked it. So I want to find out. I'm happy I'm already in a Seafall group. So you'll give us an update. I'll let you know. Do you hear that, Ishan? I think that is the captain screaming at me because I have not plotted the enemy's course correctly. (laughs) (laughs) There's an island there. That can't be them. As a a whale. (laughs) I'm terrible at this. (laughs) Well, let's let's re-roll a competent character over in the Character Creation Forge. But before we do that, let's talk about how our listeners can get in contact with us. We do love hearing from you. You can tweet at Shane at Mundangerous. That's M-U-N Dangerous. And you can tweet at Ishan at Evil Sans Carne. That's Malice minus Meat. And you can tweet at the show at TPTCast. You can also email us if you can't fit it into 140 characters at TotalPartyThrill at gmail.com. And last but not least, you can find us on the web at www.TotalPartyThrillCast.com Actually, you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. (laughs) Yeah. Alright, so what are we building this week in the Character Creation Forge? A Force Mage. What? is a force mage well you could say it's any kind of spellcaster that specializes in force spells or spells with the force descriptor or the deal force damage but you know what it's a lot more fun if we really focus on the best force spell magic missile yeah 3.5 did have a five level prestige class called the force missile mage that made you very good with magic missile now there isn't anything specific in fifth edition that does that but i think we've done a pretty good job of pulling something together that basically lets you rely on magic missile and you can splash you know bigby's hand (laughs) yeah oh yeah other fun (laughs) force spells force cage oh disintegrate a force spell nice yeah and also useful to get out of your own walls of force definitely helpful when you get stuck (laughs) so what's the build it's Evoker Wizard 13, Sorcerer 5, Warlock 2. All right, so I know right off the bat, Warlock 2 is going to be for Eldritch Blast. Yep. 
and force damage and for the the two incantations to give you the knockback and adding your charisma modifier to damage yeah although if you don't really have charisma to speak of you can just forget about that probably take devil sight yeah yeah Yeah. but the knockback is handy to have uh with bigby's hand because you've got the interposing hand that can keep almost any enemy at bay and then you just knock them back and they just have to stay further and further away from you (laughs) I, i like that approach also like you have to have Eldritch Blast because it's like your force cantrip. Right, right. Now, Evoker Wizard, though, is for Empowered Evocation, which you get at level 10. And that adds your Intelligence modifier to each damage roll you make with a Wizard Evocation spell. So it's not going to affect your Eldritch Blast, unfortunately, but it totally affects your Magic Missile. Yeah, so that 1d4 plus 1 damage per <laughs> missile suddenly becomes 1d4 plus 6 per missile when you add your 20 intelligence to it which doesn't seem like a lot but consider that for a level one spell you get three missiles that always hit yeah yeah and it'll scale up up to that nice sweet spot level five right (laughs) (laughs) so a level five magic missile gives you seven missiles for an average damage of 59.5 so it's just here take 60 damage yeah and that has a very high floor because on each of those rolls, you've got a minimum of seven and a maximum of ten. Unblockable. Except by You shit. always hit Rex and by shit. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the one thing you really one, need to look out one for. one Achilles heel is the shield spell. <laughs> or oh, the brooch of shielding. <laughs> right. <laughs> Warlock, like we said, is for Eldritch Blast and Repelling Blast. Now Sorcerer gets you your ninth level spell slots. Not your ninth level spells. Nope, you don't need those because there are no force-causing spells at ninth level. That's right. We only really need level seven. Right. But those slots become bigger magic missiles. <laughs> That's right. You're not usually going to want to use a ninth level magic missile because it doesn't scale that much. It does 93.5 average damage. Yeah, it's not great. Yeah, just do two fifth level magic Better missiles. Better off with a power word kill at that point. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But you're not going to have that because you only get seven level spells. Right. <laughs> but that's okay because you use a nice big disintegrate. Yep. Force cage. Yep. Yeah. What it will let you do is create new slots mm-hmm. using your sorcery points. So you can get more casts of your spells and you can also use the meta magic like quicken spell. So you can cast one as a bonus action, subtle spell in case you get silenced or grappled or restrained or whatever. Or you're shopping and it's too expensive oh where where did these magic missiles come from dented is... these cans oh <laughs> oh no it's raining terrible missiles <laughs> i wish i could help you okay maybe a more practical scenario distance spell right <laughs> you can shoot it from longer range <laughs> because the spell sniper feat does not affect your magic missile because it doesn't make a ranged attack roll yeah speaking of feats Warcaster, pretty standard for spellcasters, giving you advantage on your concentration checks. For things like Bigby's Hand. Right. Uh, But it also lets you cast a spell as an opportunity attack. So if someone does try to run by you, it's just the wizard. Um, 60 damage. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, Ishan, how did your character become a force mage? Terrible wizard. Oh. Not very good at it. Only really good at magic missile. You know why? Bad aim. Can't see very well. I really need to rely on things that don't allow failure. <laughs> I'm unlucky, kind of bumbling, not very bright. Yeah, I like the idea of like a late bloomer here, mm-hmm. right? So you start as a sorcerer, 
you discover magic late in life, but maybe you're elderly or something like that. Maybe you have some affliction or, or something that prevented you from taking up adventuring earlier. But once you realize you have a little bit of magic, then you start studying it and knowing your limitations. That's how you end up really sticking with that magic missile. It's right. Like, Love it. Sorcerer. Ah, I have innate magic. I'm not very good with it, though. Right. Charisma is low. Right. I miss a lot. Let me try making a pact. Exactly. They don't like me very much. Yeah. <laughs> Turns out my soul, pretty ancient. Not really worth all that yeah, much to demons. Low, low currency in, in Hades. But I guess I could study a bit. Uh, I don't know. Wait. I, here's a spell. Right. <laughs> this spell's right up my alley. <laughs> And then you stumble upon the great arch wizard Bigby, who seems to get you. <laughs> that guy, he had good ideas on how to right. use your hands. You know what you need? You need to keep all enemies away from you. Right. <laughs> Don't do things yourself. You're very bad at everything. Yep. Uh, this is this is great for the bumbling idiot build. <laughs> <laughs> the absent-minded perf- wizard. Yeah, something like that. It does free you up because your attack spells are so focused on force. Uh, it frees you up for a lot of utility spells mm-hmm. as, a, as a party mage. So you could totally play that kind of role in a party as well. Yeah, and it's very unlikely that your damage is going to be resisted. Right. And then, you know, especially if you're going for that unlikely adventure archetype, choose the utility spells that just make your life easier, you know, on a day-to-day basis. Mage hand, you know, those kinds of things where it's like, ugh, I don't want to pick things up. I'll use telekinesis. Yeah. And take a few teleport spells because if you screw it up, you take force damage. It's very thematic. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you want to grab somebody and then teleport. And then teleport. So they take force oh, damage. we screwed it up. It's a teleport's a fun offensive spell if you get good good con. <laughs> I think Brand used that in the Morning Glory campaign at one point. <laughs> Just uh, I don't know. This will be terrible. Yeah. How weak is he? I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, in that case think it's time we beg for reviews yeah if you want to support the show the easiest way to do that is to leave us a five-star review on itunes and if you're willing to help us out we'll read your five-star review on the air you can also find us on stitcher it's like a pandora for podcasts if you like or favorite us there the algorithm will help other people find us you can also find us on google play so this week we have two five-star reviews the first is from shiver me timbers one it is called inspired exclamation point you guys inspire me every episode i listen to Thanks so much for your hard work on this. And thanks so much for reading all of that, Jane. Yep, I left the big one for you. Well, I'm happy about that because this is from Sharkbone, who I assume is Devin. Uh, yeah, I think Christopher has already left us a review. <laughs> if you recall, it was on his wife's iTunes account, so we didn't recognize it. <laughs> yep. But Devin has given us a review now, too. It's called Excellent Entertaining Discussion. The title says all I really need to say about this show. I mean, do I really have to say that I'm yet another listener who doesn't play D&D 5e? I don't think that needs to be said. It is simply assumed. I love Eberron, and hearing them tell the story of their epic Eberron campaign is very fun. Their discussion of different topics and character builds is awesome. I think this review has gone on long enough. All right, you don't have to enter your own opinion into the end of people's reviews, Ishan. Sorry. <laughs> also, it should have been longer. <laughs> yeah, Devin, you can, you can write as long as you want to. But yes, that is kind of becoming a joke, a running joke amongst our reviews. Nobody plays D&D. <laughs> Which is very strange. You guys should try D&D. It's fun. Yeah. We should expand the character creation forge so it's just all 5e all the time. That was a question that Joe had for us uh, when when we met him in Gen Con was, what are we going to do when we run out of ideas? And the answer is 
pray for more material. Right. <laughs> Please ask questions. Right. Uh, yeah. Because no one wants us to build 40k characters. No, that would be a disaster. Okay, mainly we don't want to build 40k build characters. Yeah. Well, you can just listen to us roll. <laughs> right. Oh, that was terrible. <laughs> All right, we got to get out of here. What do we have planned for next week's episode? We're actually talking about the Warhammer 40k campaign setting in the next installment of our series on settings. I can't wait to burn some heretics. And in the character creation forge? We're building a space marine librarian. Well, that's it for episode 54 of Total Party Thrill. I hope we've lived up to our name. But either way, I'm Shane. And I'm Ishan. Thanks for listening. Get the granola ready. Why does it say that? You're the one who wrote it. It's because I copied the one that used to be elves. (laughs) (laughs) I'll get the flamers ready. Well, I'll get the Promethean. There we go. All right. (laughs) I'll get the granola ready for the Promethean.